right, we should pray. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Thank you, God, that you are uh, bigger than we can comprehend, and yet intimate and uh, knowable. And so we ask, God, that now you would help us to know you even better as we look at both creation and incarnation. In Christ's name, amen. Um, Just a quick follow-up on that, um, St. Patrick's bad analogy. St. Thomas Aquinas said, any likeness to God is asymmetrical. In the sense that creatures can be like God, we are made in His image, but we, but God cannot cannot be like the creatures. In the same sense that if you look in a mirror, the image reflects your likeness, but you do not reflect its likeness. the The likeness is asymmetrical. Thought that was interesting, uh, if perhaps helpful. Uh, so. We believe in one God, and we believe that He is Father, the Almighty, the Maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. And we believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ. We talked about last week that He is the only Son of God. We talked about the difference between begotten and made. He is begotten, but He is not made, meaning He proceeds from the Father. And um, He is of one being with the Father. And, uh, And so today we hear that through Him all things were made. Through him all things were made, and for us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven by the power of the Holy Spirit and was made man, uh, and uh, incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. So this is what we're covering today, creation and incarnation. Uh, We know in Genesis chapter 1 that God was there in the beginning and created all things. He spoke creation into being. Uh, we do not need to think that that was in 20, uh, six 24-hour periods. Uh, they can be epochs of, um, of time, uh, and neither of those interpretations is um, unorthodox. There are plenty of Christians who believe one way or the other about that. Um, but what gets a little tricky is, is John 1, where it says that in the beginning uh, was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so we've seen that already in creation, that the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, and there was the voice of God, or the words of God, that said, uh, let there be light, and, and there was light. And so what we understand is that the Word that was present with, with God was in fact God Himself, very God of, of very God. And what John goes on to say, that he was with God in the beginning, and all things were created through him. This is just John chapter 1, the beautiful, wonderful preamble uh, to, the, to the book of John. All things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. All things were created through this word, which was the expression of the will of God. Uh, but he, John's not alone. Paul says as much when he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, there is one Lord Jesus Christ through whom are all things and through whom we exist. And he says again in Colossians, in chapter 1 of the Colossians, which is, I think I read last week, it is such a high Christology. It says, for by him, by Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. He is the agent of creation and he is also the um, object of creation. He is the ruler or the, uh, the regal king of all creation. They were created for his glory. 
Verse 15 in that does say he was the firstborn of all creation, and that was one of Arius' favorite texts. Remember, Arius was the reason, Arius started the controversy that eventually led to the calling of the, uh, the Council of Nicaea, because he said that uh, Jesus was the first created thing. And he would, of course, point to this verse as one of his sort of you know, favorite verses to make his point. He's the firstborn of all creation. But the whole rest of the passage, in fact, argues against it being interpreted to mean that the Son was created. He was begotten, but he was not made. He proceeds from the Father, but he's not created by the Father. That's hard for us to understand, isn't it? He proceeds from the Father, but he's not a creation of the Father. Um, the uh, author of Hebrews also says, In these last days God has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. So early, early on, this is not some sort of medieval um, uh, contriving. Uh, this early, early, early on in, in the Christian world, they understood that Jesus was divine and that he was, in fact, the agent of creation. He said in the first uh, week, or I guess the second week, the first really looking at the, the creed that the Father is the one by whom all things are made. All right? by, he's the one by whom all things are made. The Son of God is the agent of creation, the one through whom the Father made all things. And of course, it only follows that if it was through the Son that all things were created, then He could not be created because He would be among the all things that were created. And He was not because He was there already. Uh, he would necessarily be included in all things were created, but He is not. I already just said that. So we emphasize again that God spoke, that's the word, and creation happened. You know, it's like his word is his action. His word is the expression of the will of the Father. And it doesn't, he doesn't begin to draw things like, he doesn't, he doesn't begin to draw things into being to, that helps make it happen. He said, let there be light and there was light. There wasn't even a sun to create it. That happened on the fourth day, right? Um, and so uh, when um, let's see where where I'm just where am I? Um, like if you and I create things, we use things to do it. And in fact, I was interested to find out that um, that according to one scholar, anyway, it's only late 19th century, late 1800s, that we begin as in English really to talk about things we make as creating. We create things. We talk about building things or assembling things or putting things together, but. It, we began to use the word create. And, but before that, they never referred to any of like what you, you know, a building, uh, building plan or a piece of art or anything like that as a creation. It was something that you made uh, because only creation, the only creation work was God's work. Um, and so when you and I create something, we use that word create, we understand we're taking things to build it. Uh, we can't speak a command and it forms out of nothing. Um, when my son Luke is very, what we would say, creative, very creative. It just has, comes up with, he's so witty, comes up with the funniest things. He loves to draw. He's constantly building uh, weapons, but they're like, he's like super intricate. And, and um, as far as I know, he doesn't ever want to hurt anybody. He just loves, loves those things. So, um, and bushes that don't burn. 
Uh, yes, that's right. He create, He's the one that came up with the uh, idea of how to make the bush burn in the uh, in the live nativity. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he saw it on a TikTok video or something. He did like. <laughs> it was just an experiment, and he's the one that said we could use that to do a burning bush. Uh, it wasn't a burning bush on TikTok. Um, so, uh, but when, so when he does that, it is a surprise to me. Like I look at it, and I think, oh my gosh. Luke, how did you come up with this? This is so cool. Like, and he'll tell me about it. And sometimes he doesn't like to tell me about it. Because your kids like this, like they're just like, I don't want any attention about it. I just um, want to. I just want to be done with it. Um, so sometimes he tells me something, but it's always a surprise to me, and I love it. It's one of my favorite things, really, is being a de- his dad. Nothing the son created was a surprise to God the Father. God the Father didn't go. Oh, Jesus, look at this world you made. <laughs> wow, son, that was what? No, that, it wasn't that way at all, right? He just, their wills were in perfect accord. God, the Father, as the Son proceeds from the Father, the Father was the agent, was the one that made it, but through, through the Son. Um, and in fact, Jesus fulfills the same role in his incarnation. He is the image of the invisible God, we read in Colossians. Uh, The Word is the expression of the Father's will. Just like if I want to tell you uh, about myself, I want to tell you uh, something that you should do, or anything like that, I would use my words. It expresses our will. And you, the same for me. Uh, God's Word is the expression of His will. And so when the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, we could see the expression of the Father's will for human life. Right? So He's expressing the Father's will. The Father is not surprised by the creativity of the Son because their wills are in perfect accord. Um, I think it actually could have been, we could have talked about this last week. It would have just been one more thing for me to get confused about uh, last week. Uh, that the, the Son is the Word, the agent of creation. Because this is really kind of the final case against Arianism. It's the final case, the final argument about the divine nature of the Son. Because we're about to go to the human nature of the Son. What we always want to hold together is that Jesus is fully God, and He is fully human. Um, he was not always fully human. Before He was incarnate, He was, and we're going to talk about that in just a minute. Uh, but um, this, this is in here, that um, through Him all, uh, all things were made, is in the Nicene Creed to confront again the heresy of Arianism, which uh, St. Patrick was... Uh, heard about from uh, from Donald and Connell there, the uh, the two peasants who said uh, Arianism uh, is to say that the son was created. So, uh, any questions? I'm kind of I feel like I'm kind of rushing through this. So wait. Yes. I, I was. We were discussing this. So that Arianism, God as the supreme, but Jesus because supposedly they said that he was created. That made yes. him. The Father created the Son and then created the world. So he was, according to Arianism, he was the first created thing. He was spoken into being by the Father. 
But he wasn't on the same level as the father. That would make him God Jr. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And we understand that he, they are, again, as St. Patrick said, they are co-equal in glory. They are uh, co-eternal. There is, though he proceeds from the father, there was never a time he did not. Or was not. Right? So. No God Jr. No God Jr. He is the son in relation to the father, not in relation to us. He's our brother only in a sense in which we are adopted into the family of God. Now, the Apostles' Creed does not specify, the, we're on the Nicene Creed, the Apostles' Creed, uh, which we, talk, we do in morning prayer, we do uh, at the, in our baptismal covenant, it does not specify, it's a little older, I think, than the Nicene Creed, it does not specify about God's nature uh, as the second person of the Trinity. We, it talks about what we believe about Jesus, but it doesn't specify very God from very God, begotten, not made. Uh, it goes right from uh, we believe in uh, one Lord Jesus Christ, um, or, or in Jesus Christ our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. It doesn't specify. But Nicene Creed, given its aim at doctrinally establishing the divinity of the Son of God as orthodox for Christian belief, had to specify. It had to specify. But then it also had to speak to the nature of Jesus. So, I've just made a distinction. It had to establish the divinity of the Son of God, but it also had to speak to the nature of Jesus. What's the distinction? He walked among us. The incarnation. The incarnation. Is Jesus, yeah. Jesus versus just the... Right, so he was... So there was... When we say that Jesus was in the beginning, we don't mean that there was a human man in the beginning. Right? He wasn't human uh, until he became man. Um, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. There was a moment that he stepped sort of out of the um, out of eternity and into the linear timeline of earth, or however you want to think about that. And he became incarnate. He be- the Word became flesh. Uh, Philippians 2, let me read that. That's that wonderful hymn. I think we talked about it um, last week a little bit. Though he was, though he was in the form of God and did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped. This is an early hymn. Because he didn't need to grasp it, right? He was God. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. So it was, he is human now. I mean, he ascended to the right hand of the Father, although that's got to be metaphor because the Father uh, doesn't have, it's not made of anything. Um, And I don't know what that's going to look like, but I'm excited to see it one day. Um, But that that he was... um, he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. He, he became a servant, uh, being born in the likeness of men. So the right hand of the Father thing? Yes. When you think about you know, the right-hand man is your person who gets things done for you. <clears throat> the Son proceeds from the Father and things are done through the Son. It's kind of retaking his place as the actuator of the will of the Father. That, that's right. Kind of how I see that. No, I, I think, and we know that, that the Son intercedes for us 
right. to the Father. We talk about he's always in the Father's ear. Doesn't have an ear, but you know, like that's just that's what we're talking. Putting words we can understand. That's putting into words things we can understand. That's that's right. Um. So before the Nicene Creed gets to by the power of the Holy Spirit, it clarifies that He came for us and for our salvation. And this is so important for us to get. He came, uh, and, and He came down from heaven. But this is the first mention that we get in the Nicene Creed. He came for us and for our salvation. Now, He's still telling God's story, but He's articulating the purpose that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He came for us, and He came for uh, our salvation. This is gospel clarity. Yes, He gets the glory, but we are the object of His incarnation. He came for us, and He came for our salvation, which is to say He did not come down to uh, reform our behavior, to kind of you know wag the finger and make sure you know that, that bumper sticker, which I just always refer to, I always think it's so great, look busy, you know, Jesus is coming, look busy, you know. Uh, <laughs> that's funny, bad, but it's bad theology. Um, because he, uh, he did not come to make sure we were busy. He came sure to make sure, that, he came to make sure we were uh, reconciled to the Father. That's it. That's why he came. Uh, he could have made, he could have, he could have stayed in heaven he had a pretty cushy gig up there. He could have stayed there uh, in order to reform our behavior. Uh, because he did a lot of that in the Old Testament, right? But he came for us and for our salvation to reconcile us to him. Uh, so I want to read from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, this is uh, the verse that says that we, any, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. And of course... We don't mean he, we just mean they. Um, first, no, that's first Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter 5. Um, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. Isn't that great? In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. In other words, he came not, and this is what John, uh, John 3.16 says, he came, or 3.17, he came not to uh, condemn the world, but to save it, not counting their trespasses against them. I mean, because he came, he could have just had a bunch of muck, but he, he just took all that away, took it upon himself so that he could reconcile us to himself. And isn't this daring that he, in fact, said, well, now how am I going to, if I sin, how am I going to tell people about myself? Oh, I'll just get them to do it. The very ones who need saving. Think about how crazy this is that he puts that message of eternal salvation in your hands and mine. That's very daring. And yet he is, in fact, God and sees beyond the horizon and knows how it's all going to work out. My favorite verse, the verse that will be on my tombstone, although I think I'll just be ashes spread somewhere. But if I were to have a tombstone, uh, I would, it would be 1 Corinthians 5.21, for our sake. He made him to be sin for us uh, who knew no sin. For our sake, he made him to be sin for us who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Uh, when I interviewed for the, um, 
for my job as the uh, canon for Christian education at the cathedral in Birmingham um, many years ago. So one of the senior warden, I think, said, well, Joe, what is, what is the gospel? And all I could say was, for our sake, he made him and knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might have the righteousness of God. And um, the dean handed me the papers to sign. Uh, I was, he didn't need to hear any more than that. Um, now, the dean is the one who really taught me that that was what the gospel is. But, um, so it was sort of, sort of sucking up just a little bit. But, um, so he, uh, he came for us and for our salvation. And he came down from heaven, which is so... So there wasn't a heaven before there was creation. Because heaven is a creation. It's his creation. Um, and which is, we, don't, we think of it as eternal, and it is, I think, I think, heaven is outside of time, but it is his creation. And we talk about the heavens, meaning like space, the sky. That's, I don't think that's where he is. There was a um, Russian cosmonaut who said, we just proved that there is no God because we went up there and we didn't see him. You know, like, oh my God. C.S. Lewis was like, um, I, th- I don't think you got that right. We're not like, we're not like tenants on the first floor and the landlords on the second floor. That is not how, that's not how this works. Um, so I think heaven is outside of, it, outside of the realm of time, but it is not outside the realm of creation. But his post-creation dwelling is heaven. It's where God lives. And his pre-incarnation dwelling, heaven. It's his home. He was with the Father, receiving the praises of the angels. He was receiving Isaiah chapter 6. I don't need to go back and read it, but Isaiah chapter 6, where the God's in the, in the temple and the train of his robe fills the temple and the angels are calling out, holy, holy, holy. Why is there three holies? Because his Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Son is there. The Son of God is there. He came down from heaven, and again, that's... I mean, he ascends to heaven, to the right hand of the Father. There's some sense in which, at least for us, it is given to us as that is higher than us. And it's probably only in a spiritual sense. I I don't know about dimensions and stuff. I've watched a lot of Marvel movies, but I hadn't quite figured it out. So, um, the, uh, but but what I understand is that, that the Father... Uh, and the Son and the Holy Spirit are, are there, and then Jesus was there, I mean, the Son was there, and He became incarnate um, by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the means by which He condescended to us, was by the power of the Holy Spirit. Condescension, I uh, talk about a lot, that you think about like a king on a, uh, on a, riding his, his, in his, uh, in, in, with horses and, and, and in his what's a carriage and on a you know, freezing cold day and, and he sees somebody in tatters, you know, one of his subjects, and he comes at, down out of the carriage wearing his fur uh, stole and he puts it around his, his shawl and he puts it around this person so that they can be warm. Um, and maybe he gives him a ride, I don't know. But he, um, there's this coming down out of love uh, from the king to uh, warm us and to uh, welcome us. So he comes down, he condescends to us, but the means by which he does that is by the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, this is not, I mean, there's a lot of stories. If you've, if you've read any about Greek mythology or, or Norse mythology or anything like that, there's a lot of stories about uh, gods 
coming together to have sexual relations or God's coming to earth to have sexual relations. This is not that. This is not overpowering uh, in the sense of uh, there's this gentleness. I mean, you think about Mary in Luke chapter 2 talking to the angel. And the angel says, uh, you will conceive. And she says, well, how will this be since I'm a virgin? It's like she just doesn't understand. And this, the angel says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And I've always, I mean, we've just heard that so many times, but I've never really thought about how, like, think about how gentle a shadow is. There's no discernible impact that shadow has. It's just this sort of passing, no weight to it, no nothing. Like, she didn't even, didn't know. There's this gentleness about it, and yet it saves the world. Like, it's just, it's amazing to me. Um... And in and, and the very real sense, God, this is an act of creation, ex nihilo, out of nothing, because there was no, this is not insemination. This is creation. The one through whom all things were created is himself created where there was nothing. There were no Y chromosomes in there before. Uh, that was, um, that it is a miracle. Uh, it is not insemination. It is simply uh, now there is an embryo. Um, and I just think there's such wonder uh, in that. Uh, we might think of, with the power of the Holy Spirit, we think of power as might, uh, like an explosion. But I think so often God shows His power in gentleness. I mean, you think about Elijah on the mountain, and he sees the, the earthquake, and he th- sees the fire, and then he hears the, the gentle breeze. Yeah, Linda. And Mary consents. Mary consents at the end of that passage. She said, may it be to me, as he would say. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. When we think about the Magnificat, uh, all, from now on, all people will call me blessed. I mean, she, let it be to me according to your word, she says to the angel. Yes, she is completely on board. I mean, the courage. We talk about this a lot in, in Adam. The courage. I mean, she saw, like, Nobody's going to believe that this is the God's son, and I didn't get, you know, I got pregnant just, you know, magically or whatever. Like, I mean, her whole life was about to be upended, and she just placed herself in the hands of the Almighty. You're going to have to take care of all these details. And, I mean, to the point where, of course, he had to go, uh, the angel had to go to Joseph as well, because Joseph wasn't going to believe it. I bet Joseph's mom and daddy didn't believe it. So Jesus was not begotten of Mary. He was born of Mary, but he was not he was incarnate within her, born from her, but he was not begotten from her. He was there's obviously a distinction that he was formed in the womb just as much human as you and I, but uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit, so he's just always just as much God as, as God. There you know, you can imagine in the times of Nicaea, Constantinople, they're trying to figure out and articulate the divinity of Jesus. There were some who said he became, he was God. He stopped being God for a time. He became man, and he became, uh, then he be- rose again and became God again. No, there were some who said he looked like a man, but he never stopped being God. He was, he wasn't really a man. He just was God. No, that he was a hundred. He was two hundred percent. Right? He was fully God and fully human. 
the th- I mean, just to think about the theological depth in the Nicene Creed, in the concise nature of it. I mean, a child can memorize, just like the, well, I mean, just like the uh, Lord's Prayer. You know, a child can memorize it and yet can continue to explore its depths for a lifetime. The same thing is true with the Nicene Creed. Um, now, I've often said at, at Christmas, things, statements like the tiny hands that held the pinky finger of his mother were the hands that hung the stars and formed the dry land. Or uh, that mind behind the sleepy eyes of that infant uh, is the mind that sought, uh, thought up the solar systems and cellular biology. Now, I will say that is poetic. And it makes a point. And I stole it mostly from Mary, did you know? But, um, but it is not precise. Because he did not have hands. And he did not have a brain. Because he was not made yet. Um, and he never was until he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary. In the Virgin Mary. Um, he certainly had intelligence, but he didn't have a brain like we have. So, you know, I don't understand all of that. I can't hard to articulate, but... And I may still continue to say things like that, but it just know when I do, it's not precise. It's, uh, it makes a point, but it's not um, theologically precise. There wasn't a man until there was a baby. Cells growing inside the womb of a teenager. Um, and there is, in fact, development in the person of Jesus, right? He had to learn to walk, and he had to learn to talk, and he had to, you know, um, I, I would presume he had to learn to obey his parents. Uh, I don't think he was this magical child who just always sat there and did what he was. I mean, there was some instruction that he had to receive. Uh, it was no more sinful than your child or mine, although his, somehow his will didn't um, ever need to be outside the realm of the Father. I, I don't, again, I don't know how that works. You know, um, is there an age of accountability for Jesus? I, I, I. <laughs> but he had to, he spit up. He had, he had to memorize the script. He didn't come knowing all the scriptures. He had to memorize them and learn the prayers and say the Shema just like everybody else. Um, I, you know, it's, you know, even as a teenager, he stays behind in the, in the temple. They go to, they go to Jerusalem and he, he, they begin the trek back, you know, and they look around the next day and are like, where's Jesus? I thought you had him. I thought you had him. And, you know, it's one thing to lose your child, but when you lose God's child, that's got to be, like, that's got to, that's a whole nother level, you know. That's a... And so they run back and Jesus is like, I mean, didn't you know? I mean, and, and my mom, like, she always thinks, like, that is so smart, Alec. You know, for Jesus to say to Mary, didn't you know I'd be in my father's house? Like, that's how she reads it, because that's how I talked to her when I was that age. But, um, you know, like, it's just, it, it is, um, like, I don't know. I mean, I think that if Jesus was without sin, then he always made the right choice in terms of always prioritizing God the Father as his, you know, serving him as his greatest priority, always loving God with his heart, soul, mind, strength, always loving his neighbor as himself. But there was some... He, he didn't, it was, seems to have surprised him that his parents were upset. And, and he, it says he learned, and he went back and he honored his parents. And so there's this development of the man that became Jesus Christ. Uh, there is this sort of anointing 
and the inauguration of his ministry at, um, at, at his baptism, there is a sense in which he is learning in the desert how to really obey and suffer for the Father uh, when he's tempted uh, and fasting. And, and yet he's always God. And he's always human. And when he dies, he dies a real death. And, and you know, there's a lot of like, could he have ever chosen not to do the Father's will? And it's, you know, that goes back and forth. What was, did he, ha- did he actually have free will? And if he didn't have free will, and he never actually could have messed up the whole mission, then was he really human? Because we have free will. And it was divinely um, appointed that he would die for the sins of the world. So there's just so many things, questions that it's thrilling to nerds like me to, to explore and maybe to you as well. But it is, um, there's just a lot to understand. The incarnation is um, not in itself a gospel. Uh, it is not in itself uh, the God. When we talk about Christmas, like it's, if we didn't talk about the cross and the resurrection at Christmas time, it would be totally insufficient. It would be completely sweet. And as we make the centurion say in our uh, live nativity, uh, if, if it weren't for his death, his remarkable birth would have just been uh, forgotten, laughed at as untrue. But it, because he died and then because he rose again, we can look back at the miraculous incarnation and think, Thanks be to God. It's interesting in that there's this uh, trinity of uh, days, trinity of uh, events, birth, death, resurrection, uh, for, that are significant in his life uh, for our salvation. But also his life is just as redeeming as his death. That's why he came as an infant rather than just showing up on a white horse. He's going to show up on a white horse one day. He's not coming to redeem. He's coming to judge. But he, he, Gregory of Na, I think it was Gregory of Nazianzus, was a, was a really smart guy from a long time ago, um, said that, that which he has not assumed, he has not redeemed. Meaning, if he didn't come as a baby and live a life, then he couldn't have redeemed it. And I don't know about you, but I'm glad he was a teenager. You know, like, there's a lot of redemption you know, that, I, that I need. And, um, and so there's, that every, all of his life gives me his life. And all of his death gives me my forgiveness, just like uh, for you. And so his, his, he, he was incarnate by the power of the Virgin Mary. So the, the miracle of him becoming human, but also the reality of him being human, which gave us um, all, that all of your life is redeemed, not just, not just the bad things, but even the good things that we did for the wrong reasons. So a lot to say. I've got about two minutes. Yeah, what are, what are you, uh, Josh? So you talk about uh, the predestination kind of bit there with, with Jesus and I didn't call him that because I wanted to, I didn't want you to draw your attention to it. But go ahead. Okay. <laughs> so if you know God the Father, we would assume has extremely high level knowledge of the the uh, character of God the Son. Yes. So he knows what choices he's going to make. Okay. But the knowledge of those choices, just the the understanding of that character does not mean that he has 
locked in those choices and forced them upon God the Son. He just knows the character so intimately that he can trust him to carry out the plan. So to me, that whole you know free will thing doesn't come. It's not a contradiction. Well, I I find your explanation satisfying, um, and I'm I think that makes sense to you. There's been brilliant theologians who who don't leave orthodoxy, but who have thought of it you know in lots of ways. But but I think it's the whatever way we can grasp it. Mm-hmm. Like I think that's really good. Yes, did he have free will? I mean, there's some say he. I mean, he had to. Like, like, could he have messed it up? I think yes. Yes, but no, because right. He, yeah. He would. It was not in his character to do so. Well, then he's not really tempted. I mean, that's that's. There. Yeah. Yeah. He's not really tempted. He's tested, maybe, but I, yeah. not really. So. I mean, I, I have often said, and I, this one I wouldn't back off because I think it is precise that there in the when when Satan says, "If if you'll bow down to me, I'll give you all this." I mean, all of salvation history hangs in the balance. Jesus, you know, I don't think he was like, I don't know, give, give me, can I talk? Can I tell you tomorrow? I mean, like you know, like <laughs> can I sleep on it? I mean, I think he just, um, you know, I think it's immediate, but at the same time, like, is it? actual temptation I think the temptation is to not have to go through the cross because Jesus got it anyway all authority had been given to me in heaven and earth but he didn't have to go he wouldn't have had to go through the cross to get it which would have meant separation from his father so we'll talk about what separation from his father meant for the extent of the trinity next week and I will have just as imprecise of answers. <laughs> yes. Uh, no, not next week, because next week is the, uh, is the annual meeting. We will have breakfast on the table. We'll start at 9.15. Uh, I hope all of you will be there, uh, young and old. Yeah. There, here. Yes, there, then. Here, then, meaning there. So, um, And uh, be here next week at the same time. And then we'll be back here in two weeks to talk about... Um, uh, Death and resurrection. Okay. God bless. Thank you. Katie, we tried today. Sorry about that. It was a little, a little back and forth. Yeah, it should say of. It should say God of God of God, not God from God. It should say God of God. But that's really just an uh, English. It's, you know, it's just it's, it's the way we understand the English. Um, the the best English for my ear is is of. So. All right, my dear. Yeah. I'm having a hard time hearing you here. Okay, sounds good. Yeah, we'll have we'll have the uh, meeting on on Zoom too. Bye. How did the convocation? Work? It was good. It was. I meant. To, I forgot to say it. That's okay. But uh, yeah, it was. It was really good. Happy, joyful. It was. It wasn't like.
Yeah. You didn't yeah. feel any of that. Oh, there was only one comment that wasn't great. I'm not sure. But, um... You want me to put this up for you? Go you got my message. I was praying for yes. you. Okay, good. I knew it meant a lot to you.